how about episode number two of the Shared Interest Podcast? And the subject for today is canines, dogs, to the layperson. I don't know how much you know about dogs, but I know that I want to know more about dogs. So I need to find someone who knows a lot about my furry little friends. And I found her, and she's going to be joining me here in just a minute. But before we do that, I think the history of dogs is going to be a little too much. So how about a little poetry about dogs instead? That's right. I found a haiku or two. Are you ready for the shared interest podcast, Focus on Dog? Yeah, you are. And I am too. So let's do it. See us every morning. A common pair are we. Each on a leash is ending my little dog and me. We amble village byways in bright or dismal weather. You may not think there's much in that, but we have fun together. Aww. Isn't that just the sweetest? We're out ambling the village byways. It's just me and my pup out for a walk. That's good poetry right there. I've got more. What put the wiggle in a little dog's tail I'd like to know? That gay little wiggle. That glad little waggle. How did it grow? It starts in his mind and it runs out behind to the tip of his tail. And then that glad little waggle. That gay little wiggle begins all over again. Okay. That's enough poetry. So what's next? Ooh. Next is my guest. And I am very excited about this. We're going to turn up the heat as we explore our shared interest in the dog. Very special guest joining me now on today's shared interest podcast about dogs. It's my wife. Hello. Are we live? Are we on the air? (laughs) Yes, we are. I wouldn't say it's live, but we're on the air. So, as I was thinking about people who know a lot about dogs, you, of course, were the first person who came to mind, but I don't really know. How did you get to be so knowledgeable about canine? How did that start? Where did this all come from? I'm not really sure. So, we've had dogs all our life since the time we were kids. My dad has always had a dog. In fact, they've followed him home. And so, we've just had dogs basically all my life, except for a short period, we had rabbits. Those are really a lot of work. They poop like crazy. They eat like crazy. They breed like crazy. Well, maybe we should focus on dogs then. Back to dogs. So, I don't know. I really just enjoyed having them. They're a lot of fun. And then when I got to college and lived on my own, I wanted a dog. And since then, I think my love and interest of dogs really just took off and learned a lot about them, watching dog shows, reading lots of dog books, talking to dog people, just immersing yourself in the dog culture, I guess. That's cool. So one of the things that I was hoping to pick your brain about is for people out there who are trying to decide on uh, getting a dog, they've made the decision, I can't wait to bring Fido home. How did you decide on what type of breed? So a couple of quick tips off the top of your head. Not sure what breed to get? Research, research, research. So people often fall in love with dogs because they're cute, they're cuddly, they run up to you and they're just lovable and playful. But People really need to understand what dogs have been bred for, especially if they're looking for a purebred dog. But even if you're looking for a mutt, usually what they say is the 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 way the dog looks, like whatever breed it looks like the most, are the tendencies it's going to display the most. So 
you really need to get to know the breed, research what they were bred for, and be sure that you can accommodate those needs. So for instance, if you're looking at a hunting dogs, in general as a group, the hunting dog group, they're built for stamina. These are dogs that will go, 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 and go and go and go some more. So you need to be able to keep up with that. They're very active, very energetic dogs. Again, as a as a group. Help me out with what are some of the specific breeds in the hunting dog group? So it would be like your Labradors, your Golden Retrievers, um, your Nova Scotia Duck Tolling Beagle Retriever. A beagle is in the hunting group. Good. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Beagles are in the hound group. Beagles are in the hound group. So, um, yeah, so you really need to understand the dog that you're getting. You know, they're cute and they're cuddly, but they're also a lot of work. So think about it in terms of how much time do you have to, de- to devote to your dog, you know, in terms of their energy and wearing them out, their training, their socialization. Um, you know, those are important factors. But then you also need to look at your financial burden because dogs are not inexpensive, um, you know, in addition to you need to feed them a good quality dog food. Doesn't need to be premium, but it needs to be good quality dog food. I mean, it's, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You feed them garbage, you're going to get a lot of garbage that comes back out. So, And you're huge on no human food for the dog. Well, in most cases. Well, no human food isn't don't feed them table scraps. It's not good for their digestion. I mean, it's fine if you want to cook them a plain chicken breast with rice. And there are people who devote time to cook for their dogs. There are even specific companies out now that will cook for your dog and they will deliver meals on a weekly basis. Um, When I say no human food, what I mean is no table scraps. Like don't feed them ice cream. Don't feed them, you know, the leftovers from your plate. That is not a well-balanced, nutritious meal for your dog, nor is it healthy for your dog. Um, So, you know, in addition to researching the breed, understanding what they're being or have been bred for the financial burdens, your time, um, you know, that you have available to devote to your dog. Um, you know, you also need to be very honest with yourself about your lifestyle. I think some people perceive the idea of a dog and what they want to do and what they think the dog is going to be able to do because they've seen this fabulous movie or heard fabulous stories about certain types of dogs or certain breed of dog. But in actuality, it's a lot of work to get a dog to that point. So you need to make sure that your lifestyle is going to mesh with whatever type of dog you get. So not only do you need to understand what they're bred for, you know, in addition to the time and the financial needs that you'll need to meet, but, you know, within each breed and even within each um, litter, there are going to be a lot of different temperaments, just like people. I mean, you're not going to just because you have twins doesn't mean they're going to have the exact same temperament. So it's the same with dogs. And you need to be sure that you look carefully for a puppy or a dog that will match your lifestyle needs. So if you're more sedentary than active, you need to look for a much more lower energy dog you know, you may want to start out with a type of breed that in general is known for being low energy, then look within a litter for one that is more low energy. And that might not even be size specific is what I'm understanding is that you might have um, like um, a little terrier dog that's super high maintenance just because it fits in your purse doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy to manage or like a Great Dane. What I've heard is a Great Dane can be a great apartment dog because, they're you know, they're somewhat low energy and they don't mind lounging around all day. 
Am I am I on the right track with those types of things? It is. So a lot of times people have a misconception that the smaller dogs are easier because they don't require a lot of um, you know exercise. Um, whereas large dog, you know, you need more room because they need to run. And it's almost a misconception in general, not true with all breeds, but a lot of your big, large breeds, giant breeds, as they're called, generally have a more moderate um, to sometimes low energy than your small dogs. A lot of the terriers, a lot of the the you know what I call purse dogs, the dogs that you can just put in a in a purse and go. Those are the dogs with a lot of energy. So Chihuahuas are actually high energy dogs. Um, they the Great Danes. You know, as they grow older, I mean, puppies in general just have higher energy, but Great Danes are not known for being, you know, the border collies, the athletes of the dog kingdom. Um, Mastiffs, Greyhounds. Irish wolfhounds, those are all low, you know, to moderate energy dogs, whereas your small dogs and your terriers, very high energy. So to your point, when you're trying to decide what breed, research, 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 don't just take the the book by its cover and say, oh, okay, because it fits in my purse, I'm going to have this super easy maintenance, go anywhere dog, or just because the dog's massive, like 130 pound Great Dane might actually just want to lay around and watch Netflix and chill. In general, I mean, again, within each breed, within within each litter, there are going to be different temperaments, but, you know, you don't need to exercise a Great Dane, you know, for two or three hours on end, whereas, you know, you might need to do that with Border Collies because they're, again, bred for stamina because they are bred to do work. Um, Great Danes are in the working breed, but again, they're not built for stamina. You know, Border Collies are, are one as well as Australian, um, Australian Shepherds that are very high energy dogs that you know you, you really will need to burn off you know energy through a couple of hours of strenuous exercise okay so let's assume that we've got all the research done uh, we've made a decision on our breed whatever it is we know that it fits our lifestyle and we're not joking ourselves about what our lifestyle is let's move into training training is something that you're super passionate about and have a quite a bit of experience in yeah training and socialization so yeah training and socialization again very very important so for me personally, I, I like the puppy stage. It's a lot of work, but I feel like you can really set your dog, your puppy up correctly through a lot of exposure, a lot of socialization. Um, can we pause there? Help me understand the difference between what is socialization versus what is training. So socialization, I guess it could be a very specific type of training. Socialization means you're exposing your dogs to as many things as possible. You know, it's... Um, you know, for, for me, when I was single and I had dogs, it made sure that they knew and and were comfortable with males, um, with men, with boys. Um, and because I don't have kids, again, making sure that my dogs are comfortable around kids. Um, you know, sometimes that can be difficult, especially if you don't have friends with kids. I mean, taking a dog up to like the kiddie park sometimes makes other parents <laughs> nervous. But, you know, you want to make sure they get exposed to things that you yourself may not have but that they will come across in their lifetime um you know i don't have a motorcycle but there was a motorcycle hangout type of place and so again you, know, you take your dog make sure that they get exposed to those types of noises um you know just making sure that they are around things that they may not come in contact with just in the day-to-day -day life that they have with you so you know, exposure to all sorts of different things, you know, men with beards, men with mustaches, men with hats, you know, women in hats, whether it's baseball caps, whether it's large brim hats, um, you know, different ages of people, the elderly, the very young, you know, babies, just 
any cross-section. Re- yeah, that's really cool. And I'm not sure that I, I would have instinctively made that connection, that socialization means just take the puppy or the dog to a bunch of places that you might not always go so it can see a wide range of things so it's less apprehensive about new stuff in the future. Yeah, so they, they have prime exposure periods. Meaning- PEPs? <laughs> So meaning that before a certain age, the more that you can expose them to, the better. Um, You know, one of the adages I heard very recently was 100 people in 100 days. So you want to meet 100 different people, again, preferably all types and and cross sections of people um, in 100 days, preferably the first 100 days. So really, you're looking at about three months um, worth there. But, you know, getting them comfortable with vets, with the different smells that are at the vet, um, you know, in the garage, making sure they're comfortable with that, you know, just, again, all sorts of different places. One of the um, places that I, I've been taking my new puppy to a lot is Home Depot. I mean, we tend to take them to the to the dog store with us um, because that's where you know, right. we're going to get supplies and whatnot. Um, but, you know, Home Depot, lots of noises are never going to come across at home. Lots of different types of people, you know, different textures as well. Um, you know, we, we go at the back of the Home Depot store, at least where I live, there's an area where they'll, they'll um, cut wood for you. So there's a saw and there's different other equipment. And I know nothing about home improvement. Right. A guy with eight so, fingers, a saw. So yeah, so there, there's a bunch of tools and stuff that, that back there in that corner that make a lot of different noises. So, you know, I just stand there with my puppy and, you know, measure her reaction. If she's doing okay, we just sit and watch if we're a little too close and it's kind of freaking her out. We back up a little bit until we get to a good comfort zone for her. And then, you know, you reward her, praise her for staying calm, um, try and get her to focus on you. But just, you know, again, making sure she gets exposed to to all that stuff. Socialization. Uh, So linking that back to the training element, off the top of your head, uh, one or two quick tips on when you're trying to either train an old dog a new trick or trying to train a puppy to do the things that you want it to do? Well, <laughs> I mean, there are some common training techniques, yes. You know, patience is definitely one that you need to have. Um, whether it's, you know, teaching an old dog a new trick or training a puppy, it's just the basics. But training and a good sense of humor, because you may think, oh, they've got it because they've done it 10 times in a row. And the, the 11th time they look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, you know, good sense of humor, being able to just step back and say, okay, you know, but you know, in general, keep training sessions short, have a clear goal in mind for what you want to achieve and build in incremental steps. And sometimes they're very, very baby steps. I mean, we're not even talking a half step. We're talking like a quarter step. Um, but you know, be, be patient, um, have your goal in mind and it never hurts to get help with training or, talk to people. I know my husband thinks I'm weird when I go to the park and I'm always asking people, hey, you know, about your dog, whether it's a it's a breed or I've seen something they do that I really like. Um, I'll ask him, you know, well, how did you train that? You know, so I, I'm a dog introvert. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm less inclined <laughs> yeah, to ask so... other people about their stuff, but you're absolutely right. It, it, a lot of good information and a lot of good bonding and friends have come from those kind of, you know, ad hoc exchanges so yeah i mean don't be shy you know i've as much as my husband thinks i know about training and dogs i mean i read a lot of books i watch shows but you know i talk to people but you know go to training classes too and and try a variety of 
types of classes, types of trainers, um, but always find a humane trainer. You know, that that's going to be your best option for working with your dog. Are there inhumane trainers? There are. And the worst ones are the ones who think they're not. Um, but they are. They use harsh techniques, which can be really detrimental. To... Like what? How can we spot a harsh technique? So, so I don't want to say that all types of a certain thing are bad. You know, choke chains. They, when used properly, they can be very good tools. However, if you're seeing someone who is hanging a dog by their choke chain or saying that you need to roll your dog over and be alpha, those can be very dangerous things. And and I know Caesar Milan is, is one who advocates those techniques, but he does things that are, um, some of the techniques he uses on, on some of his episodes are called flooding, where you are overloading the sensory system for a dog instead of doing it incrementally. So in some of the cases you've seen on his show, they're successful. But I always wonder about the back end in a few months if it's as successful as it was initially, because they can develop a severe fear reaction. Uh, so it's always, I think, better, at least again, from the reading and, and people I've talked to, better to do it incrementally and to do positive associations and again positive training versus you know inhumane type of technique so you don't want to you know hang a dog by its collar you don't want to be shaking a dog you shouldn't spank or or hit a dog it's funny because that all seems so obvious but apparently it might not be as obvious as i think in certain dog training circles you know, in the 70s, those were very popular techniques. I don't think we were as refined. Right. Well, we drove around without seat belts and we put kids in the bed of the pickup truck. So <laughs> we'll give go. the 70s a pass. There you go. I love the music, so, but we're a little reckless. Just a little reckless. So, you know, a lot more has been done on the study of dogs, on how they learn, um, you know, and... Click and treat. Click and treat, baby. <laughs> that, that's a positive, positive training technique. So, yes, um... Yeah, but there's lots of different schools of thought around training. I mean, there's even some who don't believe in food rewards because they think they'll become dependent on food and never do what you ask. So you need to find the training technique that sits best with you, then interview your trainers. And a good trainer will never have a problem with being questioned about their techniques and how they teach. If you go to a trainer and they are dodgy about answering your questions, that should be a red flag for you. They should also be generally open to having you watch a class before you sign up with them. Um, and of course, provide references too. Excellent. So those are all great tips to be able to have a trainer that's not defensive when you ask about their techniques that are willing to allow you to sit in with the class to watch them practice their craft, make sure it's something you're comfortable with. And that all sounds like a winning formula. Thank you. One final question, one recommendation film or book something that was fun fictional and dog related that you would recommend fun and fictional well, i guess it could be fun and non-fictional but all well, the non-fictional dog stuff it always ends with the fucking dog dying it's always rin tin tin old yeller getting true. shot behind the barn those it's... are fiction oh if if i had to choose an animal writer that i really like in the fiction realm, I would say W. Bruce Cameron. His stories are just great. They're not always about dogs. One was about a bear, but they're terrific, fantastic stories. 
Um, he's probably, I would say, my favorite animal rider. Garth Stein is a is a close second. Um, he, he also has some as a good book. Um, as far as nonfiction, I think my two favorite nonfiction would be Stanley Corin, who is a psychology professor up in Canada, but has also done a lot of research on dogs. Um, I think one of the reasons I like his books so much is they're not so textbooky. Um, they're, so they're easy to read, lots of good information. Um, and he can convey that the scientific data well without, again, being too textbooky. And then I also really like Patricia McConnell, who is out in the Midwest. Um, she's done a lot of good work uh, with dogs as well. Used to have her own radio show, but I believe that no longer uh, is the case, but she's written some good books as well. And some really, really great pamphlets, um, that are, that are worth reading. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much for taking some time this afternoon to join me on the podcast. Any final thoughts about dogs today? Well, I would advocate that everyone should have a dog. Also would say that don't do that without a lot of research, um, and making sure that you select the right breed for you. And through my own hard lesson learned, make sure that you don't get attached to having a puppy. And when you go visit a litter, make sure that you are also able to walk away from it if none of the dogs, the puppies resonate with you. All right. So that winds down this episode of the Shared Interest Podcast. Thanks to anyone and everyone who took the time to listen. We'll see you.